This podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Barbecue Store, the official provider of barbecue supplies to listeners of Pitmaster. And you don't want to miss out on this discount from the Kansas City Barbecue Store. From smokers and fuel to rubs and sauces, the Kansas City Barbecue Store has everything and anything you could possibly want. Make the Kansas City Barbecue Store your one-stop shop for all your outdoor cooking needs. As a listener of the OVS Pitmaster podcast, you can get 10% off of your order this spring by using the code PITPOD, P-I-T-P-O-D, all caps, for online orders at www.thekansascitybarbecuestore.com. Welcome to another edition of Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. My name is Luke Darnell, host and Pitmaster of Old Virginia Smoke, and I have with us today one of the more decorated cooks down in the in the area of Texas, Texas oil dust, we got Aaron Leslie with us today. How are you, my friend? Doing good, Luke. How are you doing? Good, man. It's funny because I, I went back and was like looking at a conversation that you, the last conversation you and I had, and it was about doing a short TikTok video, shortening <laughs> up my TikTok videos. That's right. And uh, I, I had sent you like, hey, I took your advice. I was like, I just did a nine second rib wrap. TikTok and you're like, how'd it do? I'm like, it has over six hundred thirty six thousand views. And you were like, There you go. See? I feel like you got make it sweet. That's right. I figure you got a lot to offer. So I'm glad to have you on today, man. How's it been going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Middle of summer down here. It's nice and warm. Uh you know, been doing a lot of traveling and and uh, you know, just trying to make things trying to make things good. You know, we've got a lot of work going on and a lot of projects happening, so uh, can't, uh, can't complain, kind of going different ways at one time. Right on. Well, let's get into some of these questions. How has your career and your life experiences outside of barbecue prepared you to be a pit master on the competition trail? Uh, management really. Um, I'm not a very good bookkeeper, you know, so I don't <laughs> take very good notes. Um, so I use my phone for a lot of things. If I try something new, you know, we write it down, but, um, you know, being in a management position for a long time, you know, dedicating a, a timeline, dedicating, um, you know, how you do certain things because, you know, most cooks cook by themselves. A lot have a partner. They have many people in a group. So, um, you know, learning, learning to, to put all those things together in one routine, you know, it's kind of helped out. Um, but, uh, not be so stressful that, you know, you're used to a large, uh, timeline format, you know, like KCBS 30 minute timelines. And so if you work here in the kitchen, um, and you, you have a large volume kitchen going out, uh, then you know those eight and 10 minute orders have to go out every time like that. So you're trying to put all those together and, and keep that thing momentum moving. So, uh, that kind of helps out in the, in the, in the, in the cooking world, but, uh, you know, mainly just staying calm and doing your routine. That's kind of the same thing, repetition over and over. Absolutely. So now you have the restaurant, but you also have uh, consumer products out there as well. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I work for Midland Meat Company. Uh, they yeah. own the half acre barbecue restaurant. Um, so we do the barbecue here and then we have the Texas Old Dust line as well that uh, we have out on the, on the, on the, on the market. Right. Right. That's awesome, man. It's always great to have, uh, people on here that have made barbecue kind of their life. And, uh, you know, I've kind of gone down that path the past four years and, um, and I, there's no better hobby to get that deep into, if you ask me. <laughs> oh no, definitely, definitely. It's a, uh, it's a great hobby until it becomes a job. 
<laughs> and that's the key, man. Isn't it always just just making sure that it doesn't get that far? Uh, what's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Oh man, um, you know, you kind of you, you get different things, you get different people, you meet different people, you have different friends, you travel a lot. But I don't know, you know, one of the most surprising things I guess that ever really happened. That's kind of hard to answer because I've never really had that that kind of deal. I've met a lot of great friendships, um, a lot of good people, you know, that I've gone through. But man. You know, I don't, I don't have that one thing that I'm just surprised that, that happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think we work hard enough to where we, we get all of our achievements, but um, I don't know if we've had that. I don't know if I've had that surprising moment yet. No, no. I, a mean, lot of people I, answer that with with it being the people. That's the most surprising thing is how many friends they've gotten. Well, that's the uh, thing. I mean, the friendships I've made is, is tremendous, and, and the barbecue family out there is is uh, is is better than it's hands down. You know, it's the best place out there. So no matter what state you're in or what country you live in, uh, the people that we talk to on a weekly basis or a daily basis or a monthly basis, it's kind of um, I'm surprised that that many people, you know, have uh, reached out and, and and asked comments and asked questions. So, um, you know, I mean that's I mean that would be my, my I guess my most surprising thing is who are we talked to or met. But yeah, that's cool. And we do talk a lot about our successes in barbecue. It's one of the things we love to do. One of the things I like to talk about, though, is failures. Do you have a favorite failure of yours at a contest where you really boned something up, but it set you up for success moving forward? Um, you know, I, I think that I think that my biggest stupid failure, you know, was leaving a little of my drum open. When I was talking to Johnny Trigg and, and Amarillo, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I burned that drum up and that taught me that not all good things have to look good to cook on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't have to, you know, we always just say if it's looking good, we're cooking good and, and it makes you feel good. But, um, you know, when I toasted that drum line up, I still run it today, a year later. Um, it still looks the same. I even burned the powder coat off more. You know, I know when my drum's getting hot when that powder coat's flaking off, but, um, <laughs> You know, the, the biggest, I think the biggest barbecue fail would be, would be, you know, catching one of my pits on fire, learning that, hey, you know, not only do you got to keep them clean and, and, uh, you know, keep things organized or whatever it is to, but you can also turn around and, and, uh, screw something up really good and, and move on forward. And it gives you a lesson that, hey, don't, don't slack on the small stuff. Yeah. That's, I don't, I don't think you're a drum cook until you've burnt one up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I burnt one up. <laughs> I, I, I left the lid off and went to turn ins. Then yeah. stopped and had a beer. <laughs> then came back. <laughs> and there's fire shooting out the top. I'm like, oh boy, things just got interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But unlike take, you, I don't take long. No, it don't. It don't. And I had to retire that one just because I'm that guy. <laughs> It's got to be no, pretty. I, I I cleaned her up and sprayed it up with some with some good uh you know like that cleaner we use from Sam's Club and yeah uh took it out there on the end and and man I uh, took it to the car wash and gave it a good hour of licking and uh, let it dry <laughs> for about a week and uh, opened it right back up put a fire in it and uh, won the next contest so I mean it wasn't a big deal yeah yeah that's that's awesome man what are some of the let's switch gears a little bit into gear. What's some of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? Oh man. Um, 
you know, I've taken some good cooking classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I try to do one a year. I uh, just want to stay up with the with the crowd and see what everybody's doing, you know, and kind of kind of like a teacher. You got you got to go in and you got to go and learn some things from other people to keep yourself, you know, on on, on your toes. Um, probably one of the best barbecue investments I ever made was a pork strainer um, yeah. and my jambo. Uh, my jambo and my pork strainer was two things that um, I don't think a cook a cook that cooks out of the back of a truck with some canopies will ever understand until you get that interior side of that you know that pork strainer and and. Uh, you don't have to get off the ground, walking back and forth in the mud, and you know. So I mean, I think that's a that's a huge thing. And investment wise, is my trailer and my pit. I've since mm-hmm. upgraded to a you know to a forty foot horse trailer that I converted the rear end to uh, my cooking wow. area. So um, you know, it gives me a living quarters, uh, gives me a place to sleep, a uh, place to relax, and then the family can hang out and and uh, still cook on the inside. So uh, saves money on you know money on hotel rooms and you know that kind of thing. So. Um, but I think your qu- the equipment you use is your is your best your best uh, investment uh, beside your time. So, yeah, agreed. And we all have those expenses that are you know thousands and thousands of dollars. I always say that your first call in barbecue is your most expensive one because <laughs> then you're like, okay, I got to get in here. Do you have That's a right. purchase of a hundred dollars or less that is most impacted? your barbecue life that, that people could uh, <laughs> could check that out and see what it does for them? This is my favorite question. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yes, I do. Um, it's $2. And, you know, most people use, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people use chicken pens or they use cocktail pens or something like that. So, in Texas, we cook half chickens a lot. Yeah. Um, so, they'll buy a lot of half. They'll buy a lot of those, you know, stainless steel cocktail pens to hold the skin down or uh, hold the wings down or something like that. So, um, Clarence Joseph out of, uh, Converse told me that he said, Hey man, just, just get a whisk, cut it, bend it and make your own pins. So that's what I did. It's $2. See, buddy, it's $2. Sorry about that. Um, that's all right. Uh, John Scarver, middle of meat, he stopped in real quick, but that, um, <laughs> that you buy, you buy a wire whisk. Um, you just cut the whisk in half, cut the ends off of it, makes it about five inches long and you just bend it. And uh, stick that in there and cut it however long you want it. And for two dollars, I can make twenty pins. So if you're a person who likes to use those pins to hold skin down or uh, to fill around for like you know your rib bones or whatever, so when I cut my ribs, I'll put those pins inside of each bone and I'll cut down the center. Uh-huh. And I will angle I'll angle my knife to where I get a I get a straight rib. So everything's straight. I don't flip mine over. I worked very hard to put that top in like it is. Yeah. So I don't always, I don't like to flip my ribs over. You know, a lot of guys do that and they cut from the back where they can see it. <laughs> but if you're going between the ribs and are cut and that, that line gets moved a little bit, um, then they don't look as they don't, they don't stick together in the box. Right. So I will run those pins down between each rib bone, which will be on my video class for, uh, um, on the barbecue champs, right? So yeah. it'd be, I put the bone between the bone and on the inside and I cut down the center with my electric knife and I get one straight cut. So when I line them all up in the box, you know, you can't hardly tell they were sliced. So, um, you know, I, I do that. So a $2 investment is, is, um, probably my biggest, 
my biggest <laughs> thing that I like to do. And when they fall down the drain or you lose them, you just another two bucks when they're all gone and you move on <laughs> about your business. There you go, folks. That's a great two dollar advice right there. <laughs> I would say a thermopan, but they're not over they're not under ninety nine dollars anymore, so No, no, and it even says here in the question <laughs> you can't you can't say thermopan because that's no, everybody's no. answer. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, you know, and that, that would have come to be one of my one of my first uh, situations because I, it's probably a pretty obvious question to answer like that. Uh, yeah. But in all honesty, that's that's probably my cheapest that whisk because I came home from Clarence's class back in seventeen, and the first thing I did was I walked in the kitchen and I saw Mama's whisk sitting in the little you know a little <laughs> dish bowl they got all ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the wooden spoon. So I just came in and snip, 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 and I did that, and she looked at me, and she said, what What did you just do? And I said, I needed to make some chicken pens, and um, I didn't want to buy none. And she's like, that's my whisk. You know, that's my whisk. What? And so she immediately texted Clarence Joseph and said, did you tell him to use my whisk? And then that was it. The conversation over with. He, he ducked out and ran, so it wasn't bad. Right, that's you don't mess with Mama's whisk. That'll probably be the title yeah. of this podcast. Don't she, mess with she Mama's changed, whisk. She changed to those neoprene, the ones that has the it's the wire, but it has that plastic coating on it. Yeah. So she changed to that so that I could not cut her whisk up anymore. I did. I've done two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I use I use those pins on everything, man. So I mean, it's kind of a it's a it's a small tool for me to use, but. Um, it's just, it's a cheap thing, but people are like, Hey, people use toothpicks, right? You know, they'll use toothpicks to fill their ribs or do whatever. But the minute you have a toothpick break off in a chicken breast or a rib and you can't find the end of that toothpick, it does. it's over with. And that was yep. probably your best rack of the day. You're going to blame yourself when you know, you don't, you don't walk. So yeah. Do you use a lot of technology in your cook? No, sir. I don't. No. I, don't. I have, um, I got a couple of digital thermometers from Thermopin, Thermworks. Um, I got a couple of those that I'll use, um, especially for KCBS, but I'll use them from time to time. Um, I've got, uh, man, my, besides my Thermopin and two Thermworks digital, you know, deals, um, I don't think I have anything else computerized, you know, or, or technology wise that I yeah. use on my iPhone. Right on. I think a lot more people are going that way, especially with drums and offsets being the standard bearers right now for bigger contests. I think, uh, I mean, I remember back when I was running backwoods, I would have the guru and I'd have a laptop hooked up that would mm-hmm. track the temperature all night. And man, that was such a pain in the ass. <laughs> it is, you know, and, and, and I mean, the wires get bent, you know, when you close your lid. So I run mine through the stack. Yeah. I'll, I'll put my my thermal works on the on the on the dampener of the exhaust, right? So it doesn't really get too hot. So I run mine through the stack, which that way I can keep everything from going. But when you close the door on a jambo, unless you have a port drilled into it, um, that's it's going to eat those wires up pretty quick. So yeah. then you know two two times you know two or three times of closing that door, you know, and you forget about it, and all of a sudden now your temperatures are reading off, and you can't trust it. So um, I would love to say. I, I could use that and I used to use that more. Uh, it just got to the point that every time you pull those wires off, they were getting kinked or a wire yeah. was broke. It wasn't registering right. So it was just money I was using that I didn't think I really needed to. So I just keep it, I keep a close, a close eye, close track. I don't leave my trailer more than a couple of times, you know, when I'm cooking. So I just kind of stay close right there. Right on. Let's talk about some people who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue. Well, 
I got a good friend of mine here. Uh, well, I got a couple, three good friends that I cook with out of West Texas. Um, but Tommy Smith was one of the first ones I ever met, um, back in 16. And he was just kind of like, he was that one guy that was at the top of the hill or at the top of the bottom. And he was always kind of around there, but he'd get his coffee in the mornings and he'd walk around, he'd meet everybody, introduce himself. We started talking and hanging out and they started cooking together and we traveled the same contest. Uh, he was a big impact, um, because he gave me some of that old school knowledge that I didn't know about. And he's been cooking mm-hmm. almost over 20 years. Um, so he's definitely one of my, one of my top influencers, I guess you'd say. And, and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, people that I can look forward to that's always going to have that kind of that background with me. Um, now Clarence Joseph is another guy. He's a hands down solid dude. He's got podcasts out there. He's got YouTube channels, but he, uh, he has a, he had a class going on and and uh so he has some of that old school knowledge as well he helped get my brisket game back on track and when i first started kind of cooking and um kind of helped me out there um you know i've got uh, paul whitaker and chuck long out of, out of west texas you know they're they're awesome guys and um they're always good to rile on you when you need it it's kind of like you know kind of like tim and brad and all those guys you know when you when you mess up they gonna let you know about it yeah, but it may be a few months down the road and they're going to come that right time. You know, they're going to, they're going to jig you up a little bit. So, uh, but they're, you know, those, those guys that I cook with all the time, those are, those are good influencers for me. Um, I don't really have like, like huge big names in barbecue, you know, uh, I love Trig. Trig's always been a great guy, stand up guy. Uh, but that's kind of, my base is kind of small and close and I kind of like it that way. That's cool. That's cool. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? successful mm. mm-hmm. man that's uh who has been successful so what what would you describe the word successful that's up to you i you know lots of people have different answers lots of people would uh if they're talking competition they'll talk about darren they'll talk about brad they'll talk about uh johnny tuffy if they're talking about business side yeah. You know, there's so many, there's so many different ways to go. Um, if I had to answer the question, I mean, I think there's like five answers. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you know, I, I want to say that, you know, success is, is trophies. Success is, is can be like, um, your accomplishments, right? Right. Um, but success can also be how you've helped the community. Uh, or how have you taken what you're doing all the time to their level? So I'm going to say right now that that question kind of answers. There's one guy in mind that kind of answers that whole realm, uh, the whole circle thing of accomplishments and community and striving to be better and already having some accolades on itself. That's going to be Ernie Cervantes, burnt bean. Oh, absolutely. That's a great, I think he fits that profile because, you know, the restaurant, he took the, he had a culinary background took a barbecue career that he was doing and and uh, his accolades and his accomplishments and everything he's helped with and the community he's always been supportive of you know coming down from uvalde and doing all the things that he did then he put that into the restaurant him and david did an awesome job there so i think you have you have a well-rounded individual that kind of touches all those little five categories that you might you might list out there but um and then you have you have the heart that goes along with it so i would going to say arnie Cervantes. yeah is uh i had the chance to go to his restaurant earlier this year I've seen and that. What a, what a, man, what an experience. Just unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. He's got, a, he's got a great atmosphere. Yeah. And it's not great just atmosphere. from a barbecue perspective, from just a pure food perspective. Um, it was just a pure joy. Me and my friend got to go yeah. and 
And she was like, is it like this everywhere you go? And I went, no, it's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's nothing like this. Uh, yeah, you know, you're going to have some old school traditional places, but he's taking a different flair on some things. And um, and what he's doing there, he's doing it over and over again and trying to make them the best every day. So it takes a special staff. Uh, staffing is always hard to get. It takes a special staff and a, and, a great, and a good leader to keep that going. Absolutely. This podcast is brought to you by BarbecueData.com. BarbecueData.com is your one-stop shop for all of your barbecue competition data. Historical data, calls, wins, placements, everything under one roof. It's a great way not only to track yourself in the standings, but also to track how you improve your scores from year to year. Listeners of this podcast can receive 20% off of a new subscription to BarbecueData.com with the code PITPOD. That's one word, all capital letters, P-I-T-P-O-D, PITPOD. So check your team scores, check on others, and do it all on BarbecueData.com. All right, favorite question time again. Habits, rituals, routines. Are you a superstitious fella? I am. I'm 100% superstitious. <laughs> so my biggest superstition I ever had was a pair of green Nikes. And I wore those things where I had holes in the side. I had holes in the bottom. And I, I mean, it was in 15, 16. I started cooking in 16 competitively. I was doing 15, but it was like, with family and friends and little vacation stuff, like eight or 10 that year. That's it. But I had a pair of green neon shoes and I wore those in my first GC and I wore them for the next three years. And uh, <laughs> I only cooked them. I didn't wear them anywhere else. I sat in my barbecue trader and I cooked them. And a buddy of mine said, Aaron, get rid of those shoes. That has nothing to do with what, how good you're doing. And I told him he's wrong. That's, that's not it. It's, it's the shoes. I had a shirt that I cooked in and the shoes. And then about, uh, I want to say about, uh, 19, I started when I take the, the top off the charcoal bag, you know, you pull the, I take my time, I unstring it uh, and the paper, the string, it all goes in my pocket until after the cook. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, uh, uh, I, I, I won't tear a charcoal bag open. Okay. I think, I think when people get in a habit and they, they rip that bag open and they need to slow down. If their mind's going too fast, they're frustrated, they can't get the string to come off, they give up and they go for it. So if you take a deep breath, relax, but then put your charcoal bag up there, find out what side it is, work you through it, take a, take a deep breath and make yourself calm down, pull that off, put it in your pocket. And that's it. So, and I got one koozie I've been, I've been using for five years, uh, from Midland Meat Company. I've even got holes in it where I use it as a pot holder one day. I mean, and I won't, I won't let go of it. So I've got uh, four or five things that I use and I'm pretty, I'm pretty anal about it. You would hate to watch me open a bag of charcoal. <laughs> you know, cut it over and go, huh? Not even with a knife. Whatever blunt object I can find <laughs> to open that thing. I'm not, I don't think I've ever messed with a string. I don't think I've ever, I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, uh, I but just, now see, I, 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 I will give it a try this weekend in Wise, Virginia. I will just take a deep breath. Okay. And just drop your shoulders and just take a deep breath. And, and when you get done, you will see what I'm saying. It will take you from being fast and, and you could be OCD, right? You could be anxiety, whatever it is. And you'll slow down just long enough to do that. It'll, it'll relax you just a little bit. Okay. I'm going to try it. We'll see. You're probably going to get about a quarter of the way. You're going to rip that bag open. I'm just saying, but it, takes, gonna, it takes some internal skill. I'm not going to lie to you. This is going to be a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to sneak in there and film you doing it. Okay. I like, and see, it. I like it. Just watch me get frustrated and just, no, I can't do this. No, I uh, can't do it. Damn wow. Here. That's, that's one, <laughs> that's one of the best things. I mean, 
most people shy away from even letting out their superstitions. And uh, no, I, I've got I, ten million of them. If you are around me, if you're around me, you're gonna know that those are probably four or five things. So the shoes are out now. I had to throw them in the trash. Uh, so now I'm down to my koozie. I'm down to I used to have a certain shirt that I would wear, but I don't do it no more. So now I'm just down to my koozie. And my, and my, and my, what I call my, my, uh, good luck charms off the charcoal bags. If I open up a bag of wood splits, cause I buy mm-hmm. a certain type of wood splits by the pallet, um, I will take that string out of there the same exact way and I will put that in my pocket. <laughs> so that's me. That's in my charcoal too. And my, you know, cause we have our own charcoal and I will use that. And if I pull that string out, um, I, that string goes in my pocket. So that's, you'll, at the end of the night, you'll see a whole wadded paper and strings coming out of there. I don't burn it. Uh, I know that's that's part of the end of the ritual type thing, but it goes with me. And then if I do good, I throw it in the trash and we just kind of keep going. But it stays with me the whole time I cook. I love that. That's awesome. Are you a music guy when you cook? I do. I used to be, um, but it got to where my uh, I think it uh, service. You know, sometimes your phone doesn't yeah. work all the time. So I used to listen to audiobooks. That was my that was my gig. You know. Um, I'd have a good series on audiobooks, you know, and, and John Grisham, something like that. And I'd be listening to it. And I got to where I was focusing more on it. And I was forgetting some things on the barbecue side. So I backed off from that because I was getting too involved in a book. Um, <laughs> because we, 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 we drive so much, right? I mean, we put a lot of miles on our vehicle. Yeah. So I listen to audiobooks all the time. And so that was my thing. So I kind of got away from the music and went to the audiobooks and went back to the music. Uh, but now there's so many people playing music at the, at the cook-offs. Uh, so many big trailers and stereo systems and, and small rob boxes, you can't hardly hear the music you're playing anyway. So I just kind of gave up and listened to what they got playing. I'm just going about business. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I am, uh, I'm one of those people that are violating that. And I even told no, Kim, I mean, I mean listen to your music and listen to my music. It don't really matter. It's music's music. So might as well, might as well use your power and use your music and use mine. So <laughs> you mentioned. No, yeah, and that's the thing. I get into arguments all the time. People are like, well, I'm going to play mine. I'm like, you're not going to be able to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going blasting, man. I'm going I blasting. could do this all day. Um, that's right. You mentioned earlier uh, Barbecue Champs Academy. I did. And this is an online community and an online service that Mike Steele has put together that is pretty remarkable. Um, and you just, they just recently released the Aaron Leslie class, if I'm correct. They did. They did. Sunday on before July 4th. So it'll be the second. Nice. Nice. Did you enjoy filming that? Man, I had a blast. You know, it was uh, two days of filming and, and, uh, I think we did like 10 hours on day one and like 10 or 12 or 13 on day two. And, um, uh, man, I had a good time. You know, it was, uh, it was a different fast pace than trying to get it because you're trying to, cook and go outside of the, of, of the filming of the shop itself and back and forth. But, uh, you're trying to make sure can, we all know that cooks, we don't, we're not the same exact routine the whole time. Sometimes something happens. You got to modify, you got to change, or you forget some timeline or you forget a 30 minute here or there. So, um, trying to make sure you stay structurally on time and going back and forth was a little bit on the, the rush side. Um, yeah, but definitely. Had, had a blast. Had a blast. Mike was a, a, a one top notch guy and, and great hospitality. Uh, the film guys were awesome. So we, we really had, they made it work because we cooked it at the back of my trailer because that's where my Jambo is. And so to be able to stay in my trailer and leave, because when I left his place, I went straight to another comp because we're chasing bunks for the Jack. So 
Um, I was like, look, I, I can't, I can't bring my J3 down and hang out and then go back home and get it and go right back to, um, I don't remember where I went to go cook, but, um, I, I, I can't remember. I've done so many, but that, um, so I, we, I, I fell in the back of the trailer getting set up there, set up outside on the drum and set up inside the shop to do your finishing techniques. That's a lot of, that's a lot of back and forth, but we made it work. And, uh, I haven't uh, seen the class videos yet, you know, because I've been so busy to try to log on and get it done, but. Um, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, that's and you guys can find that at bbqchamps.com. Um, Aaron is the most recently uh, released class, and yeah, it is. It's a lot of filming. Twenty two hours over two you'll days. See, you'll see Mike get the goosebumps when he ate my rib. He said it, it just. <laughs> I mean, I, I watched it too. And goosebumps popped up, and he's like, "Holy cow, that's the." That's his word, right? Holy cow. You know, that's a, and so he's a goosebumps came up and I mean, you could just see the hair going a quarter inch. I mean, it was just, uh, it's crazy, but he's eating that rib. He's like, that's one of the best ribs I ever had. And I was like, well, I appreciate it. You know, and, uh, you try to make it work and, and try to make it happen. And, and, uh, I'm just glad he had that kind of excitement, that kind of, uh, uh, reaction to it, you know, on the, on the, on the show. So absolutely. And his, his enthusiasm for, not only what he does with Barbecue Champs Academy, but just barbecue in general and life in general is uh, pretty pretty amazing. I I recently got to spend some time with them down there filming a class myself and uh, just had an absolute blast learning from him and learning his story and just his attention to the details is amazing. So I'm looking yeah. forward to checking out your class, man. Gonna be awesome. Mike is Mike is a man. I told him he needed to be a literary instructor, like a college professor <laughs> or something. He can say things on cue, right? And he, I know he does this, but his wording is there. So that, like at the very end, you know, you're trying to do your you're trying to do your promo, right? Trying to do your whole work. He's over there feeding this information to you, and you're doing like six, eight, ten takes, you know, trying to make it right. He's pacing back and forth. I finally said, Mike, stop pacing, man. You're making me nervous. <laughs> just, just, you know, just say it. Let me just try to get this. So, no, it's uh, he, he is a stand-up guy, and he's doing a great job for barbecue, and he's trying to put all these guys on there that has something that he can offer and trying to bring it to the nation, not just bringing it to the United States, not bringing a class to one little, you know, to a small town where everybody's got to drive to it. Right. Uh, he just gave that opportunity to do this. And, and so, uh, I think that, uh, the, the traction it's going to get, the better and better things go on, the more people can watch it. New Zealand, Australia, it doesn't matter where you're at. Uh, China it doesn't matter. All you got to do is just log on to bbqchamps.com and, and you'll be able to see all these classes from all these good pitmasters and be able to learn what they're doing. Absolutely. And in that vein, you know, one of the questions I asked is, what advice would you give to a smart young cook who's about to enter the real world of competition barbecue? I'm sure most people say don't, right? <laughs> uh, now, uh, I think the best advice, to be honest with you, is is go out to a contest and judge. You know, yeah. before you, I know, I know the itch is there to get your pit set up, get your Oklahoma Joe, a couple of Webers and go out there and try to do your, your first contest. Um, unless you have that kind of person that puts the money into the equipment first and then goes and cooks, most guys go cook first and then they go out and put the money into it. So, um, I would say go to a contest, no matter if it's case, it, whatever, whatever letter of the alphabet you're going to cook. I mean, you want to go and invest your time in. Uh, KCBS, IBCA, you know, CBA, it doesn't matter what Texas you're doing outside the state, go to that contest and ask to be a judge and sit down there and learn what they're doing because the flavors yeah. that you're going to come across, you can't replicate that on your first time out. 
So what you do at home in your backyard stuff that your buddies told you, you might work. Um, but, uh, you need to go out there and get a, get a judging atmosphere take on it. And that way you can see what's going on. Right. That's great advice. I, I tell people all the time, like go to a contest, walk around, talk to people, yeah. uh, tr- go take the judging class, be a judge. And then you get a little bit more of a basis on, you know, <laughs> what you're going to do. Well, so my opinion about that is, is if you go take to be, if you go take the class to be a judge, they're telling you up front, you've never cooked a contest. So they're telling you what you should be looking for. Okay. That's great. And that's, that's good. But now you're telling someone the way that only should be done when that's not the way it happens everywhere. So right. I would rather, because not everybody's from out of, not everyone's from an area where KCBS is predominant. Right. So if you, if you're at a, if you're at a contest where it's not KCBS certified, I mean sanctioned, or you're at a con, you're in Texas, well, that's not going to help you none. So in order way to do it is to first go to a contest and just set up, uh, go, go judge, get your opinion of that judging first. And then go out and talk to everybody. And you can't, because you don't want to talk to them while they're trying to cook, because obviously we That's know that true. it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but, uh, go out and taste it first and then go back and walk around, see all the pits, see what everybody's doing, see what their setups are and get your idea. Talk to a few of them, say, Hey, this is my first time I judge today. I'm just curious, you know, can I ask you some questions and then let those guys volunteer that information without having to be forced or, or run you off because you're t- violating their timeline. So. Yeah, uh, would never want. I would never want a new cook to ever have that feeling. Yeah, agreed. Cool, man. Well, let me ask you these rapid fire questions. These are. Oh these shit! Are, these, <laughs> what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Uh, barbecue as competition, or 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 everyday restaurant barbecue. Either one. Uh, I think people are very amped to tell you what you did wrong without knowing what you did. Um, I think all you can, all you can judge for is an appearance, right? So yeah. every time you put barbecue online, it's, it's an appearance score only or an appearance that you can make. Um, yeah. so those, those, those comments will help you if you have legitimate people that are telling you that. Um, you know, but I hate it when people post their boxes and then they, they, they get upset, they get offended or they, they say, Hey, I don't really care what you say, but then they get offended that the post gets deleted. Um, <laughs> so if you put it up there, if you put it up there, be sure you're ready for it, you know, cause they're going to give you, everyone has an opinion. They're going to give you that opinion. Um, and, and try and don't try to be like, I'm the guy who's the best. Take right. it like it goes and look at your photos and get better from your photos on your appearances. And then your flavors will hopefully be, you know, tracking that same. Uh, so you may have, you may have the best, the best flavor out there, but if your appearance sucks, man, it's just, you know, it's, it's, eh, it's just, you know, but then it may have that flavor that kind of pops in and says, Hey, this, this really was a bad looking box, but the flavor blew me away. So I, you got a higher score, but when you can put the two together, it's great. So I, I think really the opinions on Facebook or on social media, it doesn't matter which one it is. The negative opinions really bother me. That's why I don't post very many photos because I don't want those negative environment. Now, if it's TikTok, I want all the negative environment I can get, right? Cause the most, more negative, the better I get it, the better it goes. Next thing you know, you're at 4 million, you know, 4 million views or something like that. So, um, you know, you want, you want that stuff, but the, uh, I think, I think the whole presentation part of Facebook or social media is it's, it, there's a lot of opinions out there and people post their opinions. It really doesn't matter because those are backyard guys telling a comp guy what he needs to do. And that doesn't work that way. Right. Right. Do you have a favorite pre, during or post competition meal? <laughs> yeah. So I don't eat at comps really. Um, 
I, I mean, I probably I know I don't look like it, um, but I don't I don't I don't really eat before. Like we might go, we might grab something to eat on the way to the comp, and then I kind of you know snack on something, or somebody's maybe cooking something. Um, but on Saturday night after the contest, we're we're pretty big on going to eat uh, uh, you know Mexican food somewhere. It may, it may be sushi, but uh, usually gonna be a Mexican food restaurant. We're gonna look at the best star rating, and we're gonna go that route. So we usually have that every Saturday night um, somewhere. In, in the United States, wherever we're at, you know, competing wise. And so it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, I found one of the best places when I went to the Jack two years ago. Um, we found one of the best places by our Airbnb, you know, about 30 minutes away. And uh, we ate, we cleaned the plates. It was the best thing I ever, I mean, it was, I was, I just couldn't believe I wasn't in West Texas. So it was, uh, for me, for my taste profile, for, you know, profile and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Mexican food Saturday nights, that's it. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Mm-hmm. I do. So if I have, I go to a knife shop here in town. Um, oh. and I know it, it's, I know it, it's more than the average gift, right? So I've only given out seven of these. Um, but to someone who I feel helped me along the way and doing something for me in the process and they're, they're not asking for anything in return. Um, I have a small knife case that holds five knives and I put my favorite set of knives in there and I give that to them. And that's a, that's a gift. If you've received one of those from me, um, you know, you, you, you're pretty close to me. Pretty, you're pretty that's, close to something in my heart. So that's incredible, man. That's a great answer. That might be the best answer to that question ever. Money should not be a, uh, money <laughs> should never be a deal on gift, right? I mean, because a, a gift yeah. is something from your heart. Um, absolutely. But, uh, it's, it's from your soul. It's from, Hey, this is from me to you. And I don't want to, I don't want to thank you. Just, just, I just want you to use it. The, using that knife set to me is the biggest thing I can do. So, um, I've, I've got two, I've got, I buy five at a time. And, you know, they're about $140, I guess, by the time I'm done with it, maybe. Uh, but when I give you this, it's because you've done something spectacular for me that I can never, I can never say thank you enough. That's fantastic. Uh, last question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions of people, what would it say and why? Man, I have thought about this because I've been, I've wanted to, I wanted to get a billboard, uh, for a long time, you know, and, and, um, so you think about quirky sayings and your hashtags and all that kind of stuff there. And, um, you know, but I, I think that as a kid, uh, growing up, we used to race cars, race bicycles, race go-karts, you know, and we'd peel out, you know, it's eat my dust. And so I've been saying that for a very long time. So, um, if I were to be able to do it, to incorporate eat my dust on the billboard somewhere, uh, with my, <laughs> with my season and stuff like that, that's what I would, I would like to have something like that in there, you know? So, um, that's, uh, I think, I think it would be, you know, something along the lines of eat my dust and, and, you know, and I would come up with something else on the end, but that'd be my big, that'd be my big, my big phrase, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had kids riding the bicycle, had our old BMX or old goo, you know, something out oh, there yeah. and it, Feel out, you know, and yeah, eat my dust, man, you know, and you take <laughs> off. So I said, I think I started saying that back in 15 and, and cause it came to me one night I had a dream and I was like, I remember saying that as a kid and I was like, why aren't, why aren't I saying this now? So, and it just kind of fit. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. You guys can find Aaron's class on barbecue champs academy at bbqchamps.com. Where else can people find you online, man? Uh, texasoldust.com. Uh, you can get all your products right there. Um, you can go to, uh, multiple, you know, multiple barbecue stores will have it, you know, across the nation. I think we had 160 vendors right now. So, um, 
which is which is good for a small business, you know, and I'll take it. Um, sure. And so, you know, hopefully when overall spice picks up and everything, that'll change, but we'll see what happens. Right on, man. Right on. Well, thank you for being on, and I uh, can't wait to see you. I'll probably see you at the Royal. Yes, sir. I'll be there. I already signed and paid spot 312. Sweet, dude. Oh, I'm sorry, 315. I was 315. Three, yeah, 315. It was 315 because uh, I used to be – in 16, I went to the Royal and I was across the fence on, on, uh, uh, pit row. Yeah. And, and then last year they moved me back, but I was at 315. I was 318, so I was 315 and I was right across the fence line. So. Right on, brother. Well, we'll see you there. Okay, man. Luke, appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. Tune in next week for another great episode of Pitmaster. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedanka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Old Virginia, Old Virginia Smoke.